that walk, that walk, that walk. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, rolling. This is Walk and Roll Live. This is Walk and Roll Live. A podcast dedicated to the disabled community, sharing stories of courage and triumph, joy and discovery, and everyday successes and challenges. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. I am Doug Vincent along with Eric Aguilar. Good morning. We're we're just going to say good morning. We're recording this in the morning. You may be listening in the evening, but just so you know, we're having a good morning. How you doing, Eric? Good morning, folks. My name is Eric Aguilar. I have a cerebral palsy, and I'm hard of hearing in my left ear. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, we're going back to something we started a couple of weeks ago and then forgot last week, but just want to kind of identify what our disabilities are, just so you know where we're coming from on these podcasts. Post-polio survivor, uh, that's me, a crutch user for years, and then a transition transition to wheelchair uh, over, uh, it probably took about 20 years slowly but surely, but I have arrived probably about five years ago. So um, you sent me a picture this week of you amongst a bunch of flags, the American flag, I think California flag, I think a Coast Guard flag probably was in there. And you said you yes, were sir. at the San Pedro Coast Guard base. So what was that all about? Me and the commander from the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary, we were the only two from our flotilla and the Yale Empire that went to a Coastie operator uh, training. Coastie is the safety sailboat. He's uh, 150 pounds at the most. It takes about two people to load him in and out of a small trailer. And he's a very, very, very cool robot. His eyes can move. You can make him wink. He lights up. He has a loud horn. He can squirt out water. And you can wover him around with the remote control like as if he was a remote control car. And with the headset on, anything you say, Coasty says, and the way it's um, operated is that it sounds like a cartoonish voice. Like, let me give you an example of how of how it works. Don't judge me for uh, my bad impression of Coasty <laughs> okay, when I'm okay. on the headset, though. You got it. Hi. Yeah. Hi, my name is Coasty. I'm six years old today. What's your name? You, you, I think you sounded just like him. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's their mascot, yeah? Um, Kind of, sort of a mascot. I consider him a mechanical-like uh, mascot. Yeah. He has a lot of really good uses. Like some people um, take him to do... Um, at Best Pro Shop, you know, to greet the kids, greet the customers as they're walking through the store. You can be taken to schools, you know, for boating safety lectures for the kids. And uh, what we did was we took some uh, turns uh, practicing with them inside the classroom, and then we took them outside in the parking lot. We set it up the cones to look like an obstacle course, and we practiced other things like, you know, how to uh, make them go forward, how to go backwards, how to go left, right and how to uh, come back to you. But the controllers are opposite, like um, left is actually right, and then uh, right is actually uh, a left or something like that. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, could you look at the controllers? Everything is the complete opposite of um, the the, uh, average uh, remote control. Yeah. Oh, so it's it's even opposite of what you normally would get on a remote control. Oh, man, I'd be lost. Don't let me anywhere near that thing. I would crash it, and I'm sure it's worth a lot of money. That's one of the things that I was worried about in the beginning, but not crashing Coasty was pretty easy. I had um, better luck uh, roving them around the classroom, but outside um, it was completely different. And from what I hear, somebody was messing um, uh, messing with the servos, 
because if the servos aren't right aren't um, um, aligned correctly, uh, Coasty uh, starts to go a little uh, wonky-ish. <laughs> a little wonky. So they were trying to calibrate him. Does now is it so? Uh, Coasty is on land. Can he also go in the water? Um, not quite yet, but hopefully in the near future, when they come up with the uh, upgraded model, he'll ha- he'll probably have some uh, features where he can actually go on the water. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So, so they use him to uh, promote the Coast Guard, maybe recruit that kind of thing. Yeah, he can. Yep, that's also a really good recruiting yeah. tool. Yeah, he's also uh, you know invited to ceremonies and sometimes uh, funerals. Or or are these things called a color guard? Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's very it's really 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 neat. Yeah, I told that's... the commander until I get more practice uh, driving Coasty around him any place. It's best that I'm a uh, that, that I'm a direct that I direct Coasty while passing out uh, coloring books to the kids at events. Yeah, a better because, role uh, for you. Coasty is a yeah is a, is a two is a two person operation if you will. Like one person uh, is trained. To operate Coasty and rover them around wherever um, we have them, and then the other person uh, kind of directs them to make sure you know he's okay, make sure he doesn't run over nobody, and they pass out uh, coloring books to the kids while they're walking. You know, um, a, a lot of mascots they'll do that. They have an escort that will escort a mascot around because at the radio station we had a mascot, and and the kids would like to come up and punch it and. And all that stuff, not really, I guess, realizing that there's a, yes. a human in, or, you know, maybe there's some kids that they realize there's a human, they still want to punch it. I don't know. So the, the, the uh, escort would have to kind of protect them, you know, and, and, and the friends of mine that would be in the suit, they'd come out and they'd say, man, some of these kids are vicious. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you have to be careful. But, yeah, they I, they wouldn't allow me within 10 feet of that thing. I I got a, a drone a few years ago, and I've kind of flown it around the house, but I... I was reading things and, and, and uh, maybe I should have read this stuff before, before I got it, but there were so many reviews that saying, you know, I practiced around the house. Then I took it outside and it took off and I never saw it again. And I, so I haven't tried it outside, but that, that would be the way it would be for me. I'd get it outside and fly off and I wouldn't know how to get it back. All right. We are in November and that means coming up in the next few days, is a big new movie coming out. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes, the Marvels. The Marvels. So have you got your ticket yet to go see it? I kind of thought about seeing it, but fortunately, unfortunately, I'm going up to Idlewild this weekend. I'll be leaving Friday and be coming back on Sunday or Monday. But when a co- when about a week or two goes by, I can always watch it on the cinema and give my report about the movie then. All right, yeah, you. that's your assignment. You have to watch the Marvels. And uh, give us your review, all right? So, uh, and Halloween, how was your Halloween? You guys got dressed up and... Oh, Halloween was wonderful, Doug. We had a great time of being Harley Quinn and the Joker and passing out candy. I had to, like, DJ in order to get trick-or-treaters to come because (laughs) I keep telling everybody every single year, you play catchy tunes, kids are going to want to come over and see what's going on. And after a long while, the makeup and the wig was becoming very uncomfortable it took about maybe uh, 20 minutes to have the uh, makeup put on and a few minutes just to get it off. All right. Well, you have to send me some pictures. I'll add it to the picture I put up from last year for you. And uh, I'm here at my house, it's it's kind of hit or miss from year to year. And uh, this year, I got a big bowl of candy, and I think I might have had 
eight trick-or-treaters, about four different groups of two or three kids. And, and that was it. So, uh, not a big, uh, not a big turnout, but that's right. I had a good time. And, uh, also we had our thesis dinner this past Friday night and thesis, one of the organizations that I volunteer for, and we provide programs and service for, uh, services for intellectually and developmentally disabled adults. And they, it was, it was wonderful. We did it at the, uh, the Plains of Fame Museum at the Chino Airport here in California. And what a great venue. It's a hangar that they've taken and dedicated, uh, directed, if I could say the word, decorated with, you know, all kinds of flight type stuff. Actually, a plane is sitting in this hangar. And you've seen the big hangar doors that kind of fold up. So it's like an entire wall really just opens up on this big room. And that was facing kind of the south uh, west a little bit. So we saw a beautiful sunset. The weather was like 80 degrees. So a perfect night to have a kind of a semi-outdoor event. It was great. And everything went really well. We we uh, celebrated our business partner of the year, our participant of the year, and also our employee of the year. Employee had been there 22 years and had really, um, you know, come a long way from starting as a, a coach. We have coaches that go out and uh, help our participants find employment. And, you know, now he's director of the program and all that. So it was, it was an awesome night. Uh, I think we uh, raised a little bit of money, but mostly it's just an appreciation for our staff, our participants, all of our business partners, those kinds of things. And, and I think we had a, a good night at that uh, poker night on Saturday night with my buddies. We, Try, try to get together with uh, uh, and do that about once a, a month, but it turns out to be maybe maybe every two or three months now as we've gotten older and we've got kids and grandkids and all those family commitments. But we have a good time. I didn't lose too much money. It's it's nickel dime quarter stuff. You know, we buy in with twenty dollars, <laughs> and I think I I might have lost a dollar fifty. So it was a good night. And my daughter's birthday. She uh, was born on Halloween, so Halloween was her her birthday. Her and her family they dress up my granddaughter's now just almost five and she now it's it's all kind of kicking in now you know that first year or two you kind of like i think they're bewildered kids you know like what is going on all this dressing up and going from door to door and all that and you know and then it kicks in that you know this is fun times the candy and all of that stuff so yeah she she had a good time so all right today we are going to talk about kind of autism to some degree, but really about the behavioral analysis and the therapy that goes along with it. And not only that, but uh, those uh, same services can be used for adult clients with OCD, ADHD, those kinds of things. So we're going to talk with a board certified behavior analyst, Amisha Smith, and she's going to kind of get into that with us here in just a little bit. We'll be right back on Walk and Roll Live, coming to you from the Aguiar Professional Training Studio. Don't touch that dial. We'll be back in a second. Aguiar Professional Training offers comprehensive organizational development and organizational effectiveness services for corporations, nonprofits, educational institutions, and individuals. What they do is improve work environments in key areas, such as performance management gaps, group interactions, morale and trust building, and team dynamics, to name just a few. Using a strength-based approach in conjunction with individual or group coaching, 
all of the strategies have produced significant results. APT also assists with managing change, improving work processes, training, and management of human capital. Learn more at agarprofessionaltraining.com. A-G-U-I-A-R professionaltraining.com. Welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. Now we get to, you know, the, the important stuff in the show. Uh, we're going to speak with our guest today. I kind of teased you a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about um, behavioral analysts, I guess, was probably like the main topic. Um, and I want to introduce you to our guest today, Amisha C. Smith. She is a BCBA, which means she's a board certified behavior analyst. She's been working in the field for 12 years and has been running her own ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis Therapy Company, for the past 10 years. The names of her companies are CapSheaf Behavioral Institute and ACS Behavioral Health. They operate in California and Nevada. They provide in-home applied behavior analysis therapy, mainly for children with autism, although they, uh, although they do work with adults, clients with OCD, ADHD, etc. So, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for joining us on Walk and Roll Live. Uh, we've talked a number of times because of the nature of, of my disability, and I think Eric's to some degree, we've kind of centered a little bit on mobility uh, disabilities, but we, you know, we definitely want to cover the entire spectrum, if you will, and uh, we're starting to kind of branch out a little bit we had somebody on that had a story to tell about heart disease which of course is you know one of the number one disabilities in our country i don't know how it is in the rest of the world but in our country definitely is so this is uh, another step in that direction as well so glad to have you here today so uh one of the questions uh that uh, that i hear a lot and, and i have too is with autism it just seems to have exploded over the last you know, 10 years. And, and, and I know that, you know, your field is, is more to kind of give services to people with autism and on the spectrum, but do you have some thoughts on, you know, why it's kind of exploded? Is there more cases or do we, have we improved our, um, you know, our, our uh, diagnosis? What do you think? Well, I, I personally, from my yeah. personal experience and from research that I've read through the years, uh, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, according to the Centers for Disease Control, I think the last time I looked, one in 44 children um, were diagnosed with uh, autism spectrum, one of the autism spectrum, uh, autism spectrum disorder. And so I think um, it could be, you know, I'm not a scientist who, <laughs> who's, yeah. who studies autism specifically, but from what I read, it's I would say it's a combination of things, genetics, um, perhaps environment. Uh, I, I think there is definitely, definitely a genetic component um, because I have had numerous households with more than one sibling as a client. Okay. So, and, and then maybe also a, an environmental uh, component, some things that we're being exposed to maybe that's changed. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's just, uh, you know, genetic factors too. Yeah. Uh, and the, the environment, I think the genetic factor is strong. That's why I mentioned the strongest it. One. Yeah. yeah. 
but I'm not saying it's necessarily the strongest one, but it's one that I see consistently that I'm pretty sure is a component. But yes, it could be environment. It could be, it could be numerous things. It, it seems like that number is kind of leveled off though, right? It seemed like every time you turned around there for a while, you know, that was like one in a hundred, one in 60. One, so at, at, at one in 44 seems to be where I've now heard it for a while. Probably for a while, but you yeah. know, there's research done every day. So every I don't day. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure where it'll be, you know, two, three, five years from now. I don't know. So with that growth has come the growth of the, of the uh, community that is addressing it, giving, you know, uh, help and, and, and uh, providing services and, and care and all of that. So that's, that's where you come in, right? Yes, absolutely. So has has that changed a lot too over that time? You know, now that we have more cases, more people are getting in, more research is being done. The tell us a little bit about you know what what are the therapies that are being developed? So uh, as I said, and just in the ten years that I've been in this field, I've seen uh, significant changes. So what I mainly do is like I uh, use said at the beginning, I do applied behavior analysis therapy. And I'm constantly reading to keep up on current research, uh, which is like, um, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, applied behavior analysis therapy is the number one treatment for uh, autism spectrum disorders. And what I do, and my team, we go into homes, there are some center based programs, and probably in the future, I will have a center also. But for now, we go into the homes and we work with the families and our clients to help them. So I, I don't necessarily have the mindset that, oh, I'm going into this home and there's something wrong there and I've got to fix it. Yeah. What I do is I, you know, because everybody has to interact with a wider world out there. I mean, you're forced to because yeah. that's the world. And so my mindset is, is that I want to help this family and this client, generally a child, usually a child. Uh, learn how to interact with the world to get their needs met. So I, like I said, I don't go in with the attitude, oh, something's wrong and I got to fix it. It's I go in with the attitude that I want to help. And my team wants to help also help, help them. You know, because there, there are some things like sometimes they will go into a home and the parents will be like, oh, the kid does this and it drives me crazy. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, which I did <laughs> into consideration. But it's it's more about helping um, that child and that family interact with the rest of the world and get along in the household because that's important. You know, everyone getting along with each other and respecting each other. Can I ask you, do the do the families contact you directly or do they get a referral from their physician where they've maybe identified some things and let's look into this. And that's where you come in and then you begin the yes. analysis. Yes. So sometimes families do contact us directly and and uh, we will um, if they contact us directly, we'll need a uh, an official diagnosis of, of autism generally. And um, we can help with their insurance, you know, through the insurance process, because that's generally the most difficult part is getting navigating uh, the requirements of the insurance companies. So we can help them with that. Um, with, it depends on the insurance company, because with some insurance companies, um, we uh, get referrals from them. We, you know, sometimes people 
from those companies come to us directly, but there are some companies where we mainly get referrals directly from the company. And then there's other companies where people approach us directly and then we help them through that process. So some agencies, uh, some ABA agencies have a psychologist or um, an MD or whoever on staff that diagnoses and then they provide the service. We provide services. We don't diagnose. So we just, we, that's why we require a, uh, an official diagnosis. Okay. So when you're talking about analysis, you've got a diagnosis. Yes. Your, your analysis is to figure out what treatment is. Absolutely. For them. It is, it is my job to okay. figure out what behavioral treatment thing. That's my area of expertise and the gotcha. area. Area of expertise of my team is to figure out what behavioral treatments they need. Okay, so when so you, you the same kind of process goes through all uh, autism or whether they've been di- diagnosed with an OCD issue or or ADHD. Yes, once I have that diagnosis, because uh, we there uh, often actually there is a I don't know exactly the exact percentage, but there is a high I can tell you there's a high comorbidity with autism and ADHD and autism and OCD. So I I deal with um with autism, ADHD, OCD uh, on a daily basis. Right, right, and and are the protocols for the therapy similar or? Oh, yes, it's the same. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the same. Uh, the behavioral therapy is the same no matter what uh, area you're in, because there are some um, behavior analysts who work as uh, they work with traumatic brain injuries or they may work with um, people who've just been released from prison. So the application is the same. Okay. So you cover those kinds of things as well? No, my area of expertise. So you <laughs> narrowed uh, it down to a yes, particular... With, Yes, autism. It's like, you know, sometimes doctors have different specialties. Yeah, behavior yeah. animals have different specialties. Yeah. So my area of expertise are children with autism. Okay. Could you tell me a little bit of, about um, ADHD? Uh, as far as treating it or? Uh, like the nature of it. So... <laughs> Most of the time it involves a high degree of hyperactivity. Uh, it's, you know, cl- sometimes our, our clients will not be able to concentrate in school. They won't be able to concentrate at home. The parents will complain, oh my gosh, my child won't sit down and have dinner without getting up 50 times. Or, you know, they'll get up and run around the room or um, they're trying constantly trying to run outside. And so those are the types of things that we generally deal with. Um, ADHD is involved. So how do you know oh, where so just being a rank bush uh, boy is maybe different than having ADHD? <laughs> okay, so if if it is causing a problem and in in the household or in the classroom, for instance, uh, there might be some. You know, sometimes kids are just rambunctious, and maybe, I, like I said, I don't have an exact percentage of the time, but maybe, uh, you know, a few times during class they might get up and try to go out and the teacher says sit down and that's you know it's over over. if it is something constant and it is constantly the teacher is constantly having to address it or the parent is constantly having to address it where it is they are becoming frustrated or it's impeding them being successful with with their completing their schoolwork or completing their work at home or engaging in activities with the family then it becomes an issue gotcha so it sounds like uh, a majority of your clients are 
are young. Uh, yes, actually, right? most of my clients are under the age of 12. They're gotcha. between the ages of three and 12, most of them. And does that increase uh, the chances that you can have a better outcome if you can, if you can identify it and diagnose it earlier? Yes, research has shown that the earlier that you can uh, intervene with uh, behaviorally, uh, the the better the outcomes for the client. Um, the earlier you intervene, the better outcomes for socialization, uh, communication, and um, you know than those who didn't receive any uh, intervention. So, do, does a, a client get to the point, a patient get to the point where they? don't need the the treatment anymore and they kind of get to a point where they can manage their own lives i guess and so i can say that i i won't say they get to a point where they don't need treatment anymore more yeah. per se but i can say that they get to a point where i may not deem that it is no it, i may deem that it is no longer medically necessary for them to receive aba therapy and we will discharge them Meaning they probably, uh, I, I, when I do the, um, the uh, functional uh, behavioral assessments, we call them FBAs, mm -hmm. I have goals that I write in there, uh, particular goals and particular areas for specifically for that client, because that is the thing about ABA therapy. It is an individualized therapy. So I go in, usually into the home, sometimes into the school, and I will write a behavior intervention plan specifically for that client. And I will have goals in there. And generally, I think most the average of uh, most services, I mean, don't absolutely quote me, but I think it's yeah. probably around two years. But it depends on the individual. Uh, I've had some clients for one year and I've had uh, many clients for three or four years. So generally they meet those goals and then there's, you know, you update goals as they go along. And then when they get to the point where it's OK, you, you know, you sit down with your team and with the parents. And uh, if they've met <clears throat> those goals, then you can see that deem that it's like no longer medically necessary and you can discharge them. Yeah. So as part of the analysis, if you determine that, you know, a particular patient, they need more work in focusing on their tasks and those kinds of things. And then maybe another patient is uh, the barriers are, are socialization. They're not really sure you know, how to navigate those social nuances. So can you help with those things, each of those things? Absolutely. That's why it's a, it's a, a spectrum because you, you can have one client that have, has uh, these needs and another client who has these needs, but both of them are diagnosed with autism. So it's, it, that's why ABA is an individualized therapy. And that's why uh, one of the main reasons why, uh, insurance companies are willing to pay for it because over time it's been uh, shown to work. The efficacy of it has been proven. And that kind of reminds me, I, I wanted to ask, you know, earlier, if, if a patient gets through a year, two, three years, and you've discharged them, and, and I would imagine you would take them on again, but I'm wondering, would insurance, are they supportive of covering that if they need to come back uh, for a little more you know, work and some therapy. So I have had that situation a couple of times, but usually what I will do, uh, me personally, what I will do in those yeah. instances, uh, this isn't like, you know, set in stone, but uh, during the, during um, the time that the, a client has ABA services, 
myself and insurance companies stress parent training because we, myself and the therapists are only with the client a very limited amount during the day, uh, maybe two hours a day, three hours a day. And the parents or caregiver are with them, you know, 18 hours a day or however long they're with them. And so it is very, it is imperative that we be able to teach the caregivers how to work. They, they should be learning ABA therapy also so that when we are not there, they should be able to handle. That's exactly what we're trying to do is trying to teach the caregivers, you know, siblings, everybody in the household to be on the same page so that hopefully that's not going to happen that once we equip them with the you know the knowledge and the tools that they need they can then work with their um their child from then on okay so i could see where it would be very important to have everybody on the same page so one family member who's not on board might be undermining you know and, and innocently but if they're not uh, following all the uh, the the protocols that you've in place put in place for this particular patient and and, you know, they're kind of doing their own thing. Yeah, that could get undermine yes. the progress. Okay. Yes. Most insurance companies, actually all of the ones that I work with, uh, um, make you um, keep data on parents' participation, huh. which I, I know for certain is very vital. It's not something I need to be forced to do. I, I've always done it because it is, it is very important. If a child can do fabulously when the therapists are there, but if they don't do well when we're not there, it's pointless. So um, there are actually some cases where I just do parent training. It depends on the depends on the case. There are some times where it's just parent training, um, specifically because I I from my analysis, I think um, the parents you we should you know focus on the parents because that will make a better outcome for um, our our clients. Yeah, and I. You know, it's sad. I, the imagination doesn't take much to uh, to come up with a scenario where, you know, there are some parents parents who aren't committed to following along with what you are trying to to help them with, and the child could lose services because the parent isn't doing their part. Sadly, uh, that is true. Yes, yeah. uh, unfortunately, which is why I really stress parent training. It is very important. Um, it's not an afterthought. It's something that uh, I take very seriously because it is so important to the success of our clients. And hopefully that's very few that are, you know, it, it, it yes. has that uh, kind of an outcome, you know? Yeah. I am not trying to make judgments on parents at all because, no, you know, no. I wouldn't put myself in their shoes, yeah. but um, there are some parents who part whose participation is better than other parents oh, and, yeah. and you can <laughs> see it. With the with our clients, you can see with the, the outcomes, right? Yes, absolutely. Ah, uh, uh, gotcha. So, uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of the misconceptions maybe that people have about you know folks on the on the spectrum, or even yeah. with OCD and, and ADHD. Just you know, are they especially maybe if there's parents listening to this, <laughs> maybe they've just gotten the diagnosis. You know, yeah. what, what's the future for their children? They're worried about that, I'm sure. Well, like I said, a ABA therapy is used because it's been sh shown to work. Um, if you're, if everyone on the team is consistent, it's been shown to work um, consistently, time and again. So uh, it, it's like I can understand there. There's actually um, some very good uh, information out there for parents, you know, who might be 
wondering what to do. As a matter of fact, I remember one, there was a, a poem. I, I don't remember the exact poem, but it was, it was like, um, you know, when parents have a child, they're ex- like, they've been planning. It's, it's like they were planning a trip to Italy their whole life and they know everything about Italy and they're going to go to Italy. But then all of a sudden they're, they're rerouted to Amsterdam and they're not prepared for it. I mean, but it could still be a good vacation, but they're not prepared for it. So they have, it's kind of like, it's, it's, you gotta prepare for it. It's not the end of the world. And we're there, you know, to be sympathetic. Like I said, I try not to judge parents at all because it's, they have so much they have to deal with. Um, Yeah. I I do try to nudge them gently that, that is important that they learn, you know, what we're doing, but I, I'm very compassionate towards parents and I, I uh, try not to judge them at all. Well, that that story right there has got to help a lot of them (laughs) You know, to kind of change their mindset a little bit right yes yes Yes. it was actually i think it was actually written by someone who had a child with autism but i i'm so sorry i don't remember the exact name of it it was very interesting we get we get the point and i (laughs) as you're telling that i'm thinking that's kind of a good advice for any parent yes yes. you know you have expectations of you know your little sweetheart child and you know (laughs) you have no idea which direction it's going to go you know you you want a scientist and you get an artist you want an artist and you get a scientist. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, how about some insights into different approaches and strategies? Is there anything maybe we could apply to other children as, as well in the household that may not be on the, on the spectrum? Or no, absolutely. <laughs> because a lot of times with siblings, especially if they're around the same age, when we go into the homes, I mean, they're like, oh my gosh, they're so jealous because someone is going in there specifically, you know, to work with their sibling who always like, why are they always getting special attention? You know, so I can, and, and I can understand that, especially because they're children and they don't really understand the whole situation. So it, it's important that we sometimes include the siblings because, you know, we're trying to teach them um, our techniques also, because they'll be, you know, they'll be with their usually sibling or whoever it may be um, in, in their household. And sometimes we do, uh, ha, you know, participate, have them participate and try to teach them, you know, depending on the age, exactly what we're doing and um, things like that, you know, yeah. so it's, it, it's good. I would imagine that would be helpful for them to cope as well. Yes. To, to learn strategies on how to, you know, to, to, to help and, and, Absolutely. And generally, generally, no matter what the age of the sibling, we can usually teach them something. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because, you know, in in our family and, you know, Eric might be able to speak to this as well. You know, uh, we had four kids. My brother and I had polio and my sister, she had, you know, issues with her at a very early age, her her tubes weren't uh, in her ears weren't draining and and you know so she had a number of surgeries had some hearing loss and uh so she kind of thinks of hers as the invisible disability which of course it is and you know and you know so now as we've become adults uh it's you know we've heard that they got we got all the attention you know because it was much more visible and you know we were helping the march of dimes and just doing all these things and you know, going to camp and all these, and, you know, in hindsight, I can see where, you know, I don't blame them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So you got to include everybody and at least, uh, you know, be sensitive to the fact that they, they, they might not be getting all the attention they, they think they deserve. Right. 
<laughs> no, absolutely. absolutely. You know, over the years you've been doing this, have you seen some trends that have kind of changed or, or, you know, some things that you did 10 years ago that you don't do anymore and some new things that have hopefully worked better? Um, as like I said, I, I'm constantly doing research. Um, you know, things like the best way to teach a technique, like chaining, for instance, or, you know, whether to teach this skill with what's called backward chaining or forward chaining or, you know, whether to use a, um, a task analysis or there's always research on which techniques might be better to use in this situation or that one. So, and I'm always reading research because it's, it's uh, with most professions, you got to do um, continuing education. So I'm always doing continuing education research on my own uh, to try to figure out what is the best treatment to use. Uh, always treatments change all the time. I mean, literally there's research done every day. So it's, it's very important to keep up to date. Do you find too, that just in your practice every day that, that you've found some, some techniques that have worked for you really well? Oh, uh, yes. Um, generally, uh, using like, um, some modeling techniques. Now it depends. It depends on the client, of course, because once yeah, again, yeah. VA is an individualized therapy. So uh, there are some techniques, uh, and it also depends on the therapist because you know some therapists pair better with some clients. So, but I, I personally um, like to use uh, uh, modeling techniques with clients. Uh, I've seen that to be very uh, successful. Um, Can you give us a, a maybe a simple? Um, example of what that oh. technique would be like modeling well it's very simple it's just it's a fancy way of saying <laughs> if, if there's something i want them to do i generally like just show them how to do it um okay. you know whatever it might be how to um something that i may do uh i'm i'm trying to like <laughs> think of the the way when i'm sitting and actually working with a client yeah, yeah. Kind of threw me a little bit of a curveball, but just like uh, showing them exactly what I want them to do, or um, working hand over hand, usually with younger clients, doing hand over hand uh, to teach them like how to eat with a a spoon or a fork, or it, it just depends, you know. Um, sitting down with them and teaching them uh, um, different different skills on how to um, do discrimination training or something like that. Those sorts of things. And I imagine there's a reward system that it's helpful. Acts, uh, absolutely. Generally, positive reinforcement. That's the that's the uh, reinforcement procedure that we use in those. Can I identify the things that they like and maybe withdraw those if they're not uh, following along? That would <laughs> withdrawing it wouldn't wouldn't be positive. <laughs> wouldn't be yeah. positive reinforcement itself. <laughs> Usually, we give them something. When gotcha. They, gotcha. Okay. Duly noted. <laughs> sure. So uh, for, for parents out there that maybe have a very young child and they're maybe seeing some things that, you know, like one in 44, you know, their parents are probably already, you know, on the lookout almost these days. But yes. if you see some things that you're not quite sure, what's, what's your advice uh, to bring them to the attention of their physician and, Yes, to their to their pediatrician, and you, they can let them know. You know what, my my child isn't meeting their milestones. Maybe they're not they they're uh, not speaking or 
um, some, or maybe they have started speaking and then that language disappears uh-huh. or something like that. You know, that's, that's usually the one where parents usually, um, there are, uh, and a lot of times they'll have a typical child and they'll, they'll kind of like in their minds compare the progress of their typical child with, uh, with another child. And they'll be like, you know what? I just feel like something is not right. You know, like they weren't, they weren't um, walking or talking or, or doing everything like my other child was doing. And they're, they're generally right. They're generally correct. Very good. You have any other questions, Eric? I think you uh, asked all my questions for me, Vector Jack, but that's okay. I wanted to say that this is wonderful. I constructed a uh, slideshow on autism awareness. It basically covers, you know, what is autism, like the spectrum of uh, autism, the difference between high functioning and low functioning, the different ways how it inhibits in a First with autism, the different traits, and then the other slides um, indicate that it's not a one-size-fit-all deal, and then the communication of individuals with autism, and then the last of the slideshow is de-escalation techniques for people with autism. I call the um, slideshow Through the Eyes of Autism. It's like a journey that I'm going to conduct for a couple of organizations in particular. Fantastic. Yeah, very good. And it really hits home for me because I, my fiance has autism. And let me tell you, she inspires me every day. If it had been for her, I wouldn't uh, be seeking out this knowledge for autism in the first place. Absolutely. I wish I, you I well with that. It's very important. Um, even in this day and age, a lot of people still don't know anything about autism, which shocks me when I actually run into people who are like, what is that? I think uh, we've covered most of what we're you know equipped to to cover here. From our layman's uh, position, thank you. I mean, that's a great starter. Um, it, it just maybe finally, uh, too, a- any advice for parents that are just maybe getting a diagnosis that are just starting to get out and through this, go through this? Sure. Don't, uh, don't um, you know, don't get too down or down on yourself or try to figure out, oh, did I do something wrong? You know, there's... Um, there's is hope and um i've seen children there's i always tell parents i never give them a guarantee but i see children make drastic improvements every day and you can get help there's lots of help out there available there's companies like mine there's the the regional center there's um you know see your doctor your pediatrician should be able to give you referrals to whatever services you might need yeah i uh you know i've learned you know a little bit to my my daughter i was telling you is a BCBA. And that's one of the things that I, I've learned from her is that that early intervention, you know, really can, you know, reward you with a, a lot of success. Absolutely. Fingers absolutely. crossed. Yeah, absolutely. And parents get involved. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. Amisha Smith, thank you very much for joining us on Walk You're Roll welcome, Live this week. We appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Habitat for Humanity builds houses and so much more. A Habitat build site is where hanging a door opens a world of opportunity, where turning a screw turns the page, and where a simple key can unlock a brighter future. You see, Habitat for Humanity builds houses and so much more. What will you build? Visit Habitat.org to learn more.
Welcome back, folks. You're listening to Walk of Our Live. I'm here with my buddy, uh, Dougie Frog. Dougie Frog? That's that's my old uh, persona. Yeah, Doug, Doug Vincent. Glad to know you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we're kind of winding down here on the podcast and uh, off, off air. Uh, Eric was telling me that he's kind of winding down this time of year, kind of concentrating on holiday events. And I think, you know, that's probably the case for most of us, right? Uh, those other events kind of take a backseat and they probably there's not as many of them because now all the events are holiday themed you got thanksgiving and christmas and you know there's all kinds of events to go to work parties things like that so um and you've got an anniversary coming up right of of an event uh yes sir eight years that i've been with my with my darling sweetheart very nice and you uh got uh engaged on your birthday um, we got we got together as a couple on my birthday, and um, this Sunday we'll also be um, engaged for over a year now, as 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 a, as an engaged couple. And all together we've been eight we've been together eight years as a whole. Very nice, very nice. So your birthday's coming up, yeah? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> What's your birthday? November twelfth, sir. No. Oh man, it's right here. Okay. We'll right after you, Veterans Day, I have to give you a, get you a cake for next week. <laughs> so nothing coming up really this week for me. Uh, you know, probably about a month. You know, there's another event that we both uh, participate in every year. You know what I'm talking about? You remember? Ah, oh, yes, the Loma Linda Possibilities Holiday Dinner. Absolutely. It is wonderful, folks. It's like the Grammy Awards for us. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Yeah, it's a great event. I've been doing it for. Gosh, it's got to be 20-ish years now, right? Started in a little room with about 50 people, and now we're, what, eight, 900 strong? I think it's probably been bigger than that. Uh, but we're coming back, and it's growing every year now. They were coming back from COVID. Um, so if uh, you're a member of Possibilities or like to come out, uh, you know, we'll probably put some information on the website. There is a You have to go to the Possibility website and register, uh, but it's uh, no cost, and come out, and there's raffle prizes and a lot of recognition uh the eric and, and i both are on the hall of fame over at the, what they call the east wing at loma linda it's where all the orthopedic and uh you know all the therapies go on uh, physical therapy all of those other uh, their orthotics department is there and uh so we're proud to be on that wall right yes sir let me tell you when they inducted me back in the 17 i thought i was gonna have a heart attack <laughs> i know I, you know I, I, they didn't get to surprise me because i'm the mc every year so you know by the way I, I, we talked about anthesis in the opening uh, that uh, dinner that we had i was the mc for that it's one of the three events that i do every year that i i really enjoy i also do it for rolling start and i do it for possibilities and uh, you know i i get the script ahead of time so i think it couldn't really surprise me but Definitely an honor. That's for sure. That's for sure. And that's possibilities. Uh, and that's kind of where it dawned on me. You know, if I was honest, I think it was about a year ago at the possibilities dinner that it kind of dawned on me because I was kind of looking for a partner to do this. And it like struck me as like, Eric would be perfect. You know, so I asked him and my fingers were crossed. He'd say yes. And he did. And here we are, you know, all these months later. So that's the mm-hmm. next big event coming up possibilities uh and and if there's any more we'll let you know about them 
Uh, but we're going to let you go now. Thank you for uh, spending time with us. I know there's a lot of podcasts and different things you can be doing. So we appreciate you uh, spending your time with us here in the Yagyar Professional Training Studio for Walk and Roll Live. Any closing thoughts, my friend? Folks, we are Eric Aguilar and Doug Vincent. We will see you next time. Have a good one, folks. Walk and Roll Live is heard around the world at walkandrolllive.com, Podbean, and Spotify. Like us at facebook.com slash walkandrolllive. You can email us at warlive at walkandrolllive.com with comments, observations, or whatever's on your mind. Whatever's on your mind. Have a topic you'd like to hear or a guest you think would be great for the show? Let us know. Look for new episodes every Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for listening. Thank you.